This is Creepy and Geeky, a part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network. Welcome to Creepy and Geeky. I'm your host, Robert, and on today's episode, we are continuing my ongoing series on what's your favorite double feature. Today's double feature is Slumber Party Massacre 2 and Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, with returning guest, Onika. Welcome back to the show, Onika. Hi, Robert. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Always good to have you on. We always have a good conversation. Uh, you, know, you brought me brought me some uh, some, you know... The, the the whole gist of this new uh, format of sorts is that uh, I asked the guests to bring me uh, three to five um, uh, different double features. Um, and then we then I can choose which one of those I might be more interested in doing or the most interested in doing. And so you gave me some interesting ones um, and then we settled on this one. Um, yeah, or yeah, I think this was. <laughs> I think this was the first one you threw out and then we were, we were just like, okay, let's do this. Um, Cause mm-hmm. I had, I I'd seen hello, Mary Lou um, before, uh, but I'd never seen uh slumber party uh, massacre two, um, which I own the 4k double disc of um, the slumber party one and two uh, movies. And, uh, but I just hadn't seen number two yet. Uh, but, uh, but I had seen, Prom night two, and you you were interested in talking to me about these because they're very campy. Um, I remember that was the the conversation, the reasoning behind it. Um, what what more uh, would you uh, like to say about why these two particular movies were uh, uh, high on your list to talk about? Okay, so yeah, as I said before, like they're very campy and you know, that's like my bread and butter. I love campy films. Um, I do also like that uh, they are, despite the fact that um, not both of the movies aren't directed by women, one is, one isn't. uh, They're very uh, female-led films. They're very female-focused. Yes. Um. And surprisingly enough, like, despite the fact that they are not uh, <laughs> not made by the same people, they came out a year, I think, a year apart from one another. Um, I think they actually came out the same year, 87. No. Yeah, sorry. I'm actually thinking of something else. Uh, another movie came out in 88. Um, yeah. But they came out, uh, you know, slightly apart from one another. They are so similar in so many ways <laughs> right. uh, especially with the way that they are homages almost close to plagiarism of the most popular movies of the time <laughs> <laughs> right um to the point that in each one of them has like that representative thing that we've we've done in horror movies here where characters are named after legendary horror directors you've got a craven yes. Or you've got, got a Craven like, a Carpenter, yeah. Or you've got like in um in Slumber Party Massacre too. You've got a Voorhees, you've got a Bates, you've got a yeah. a, a Burns, yeah. 
So yeah. it's I, I like them. And I also do think that it's actually um a thread that I actually noticed uh watching them again is weird weird ways of again punishing sex <laughs> in uh right. in both movies and both movies go about this in different ways but um they do have that whole ooh sex is bad <laughs> right yeah there's a, there there was definitely this um you know when people look back on it later they they and even during the time period, people were like, there's this weird Puritanism running through horror movies um, about, you know, sex is dangerous or sex is evil. So it must be, you know, uh, the the slasher needs to kill the ones who are um, impure or, you know, or or um, whatever, uh, having a lot of sex. And so they but a lot of the filmmakers um, have said since then that that wasn't intentional um, it was just kind of, you know, just there um, that the even the 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 final girl wasn't supposed to be like virginal or anything like that. That wasn't the whole message that they were trying to push is that sex was bad and only the virginal girl was going to survive. Um, but it does like it, it's ha it happens so that. frequently. Yeah, it just happens so frequently that it's kind of like, are we sure that wasn't intentional? So see, I would say that for maybe it's unintentional, but it is a hundred percent intentional for Slumber Party Massacre too. I would think so, yeah. Yeah. Based like it's on a hundred percent intentional, just based on dialogue choices in the film. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think here's the thing though, too, is while watching both of these, I think both of these in a way are really kind of spoofing um the era of the 80s slasher. Um, that both of them, you know, because like you said, both of them are heavy referencing, um, not just in the names of characters, but also just in, in certain scenes, um, and everything else that it's definitely taking homaging and referencing, um, earlier eighties movies. Um, and so I, I think that in a way they, they were spoofing, but didn't take it to to what how i felt they didn't seem to be taking it far enough to qualify as an out and out spoof um you know it was just serious enough for both of them that you could say they were just trying to be an homage to that kind of genre um rather than an actual spoof um, i would agree especially since like while both movies have like their comedy and such like they they aren't horror comedies they they are right. direct horror movies. They the comedy right. is intentional, but it's still not a horror comedy like um most of the movies that I seem to talk about when I come on <laughs> with you. Right. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. It seems like it seems like where some of the comedy is intentional, there's a lot that's unintentional as well. Um uh yeah, Slumber Party Massacre 2 ends up having like it's it's an intentional line but it's so funny because of like the character who utters it, um, yeah. which I will get into when we are <laughs> directly focusing on that movie. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and focus on uh, slumber party massacre too. Uh, let's start with that one. Um, so 
I I rewatched the original Slumber Party Massacre also, um, just to kind of you know immerse myself uh, back into the world, and I'm glad I did because uh, the main character of the second movie is the sister of the neighbor girl who survives uh to the end who 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 kills the guy at the end uh who you know um stops the killer um and so it's but here's the thing like watching slumber party massacre one that's a fun movie i i like that one it's enjoyable um it it takes itself just seriously enough it's got a little bit of humor um but <laughs> I don't know. Slumber Party Massacre 2 just did not work for me. It's not a bad movie. I'm not going to say it's a bad movie or anything like that, but they try like this whole dream, like the dream sequence stuff throughout the whole thing. Um, the kind of ambiguous ending. Um, it just kind of left me going. What? You know, what was the <laughs> point of like, was it actually was any of it real? Because um, that's how I kind of feel like at the end of it that none of it was real. It was all just psychosis that the girl from, you know, the sister from the first movie has been in insane asylum. And this was just her, you know, having visions the whole time while she was in the insane asylum. So okay. that's, well, that's I kind of my takeaway have... from it. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, that's okay. Because I, I, I agree with you on a level on that one. Um, now I love, the slumber party massacre series even like the third one which uh is kind of bland when you look at it in comparison of these dudes i do not like the most recent one that they made i saw what they were trying oh, to do with it and it just it just didn't work for me i yeah, think i, I would have liked it better um, yeah i don't it, remember like, very much about it but i re remember not hating it i thought it was okay i just it was one of those ones that i was just like it it didn't feel necessary, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, but it's there; it exists. Uh, we yeah. accept that it's there. It, it's not Black Christmas twenty nineteen. <laughs> I like Black Christmas twenty nineteen. Really? <sighs> yeah, yeah. I left the, I left the theater. I I left to stay. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. I don't like I. Like it's a black it's Black Christmas in name only. Like the otherwise it's something else. It's a different story. And when you take it for that, I I enjoy it for that aspect of it. Um, but I'm also not somebody who holds Black Christmas, the original Black Christmas, up as this you know revered thing either. So I like it. Don't get me wrong, but I I don't, you know, I don't like you. Know, even though he's directed, it was directed by a, a man named Bob Clark. Um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, it's a, you know, it's a good movie, but I'm not one of those people who's just like, oh my God, Black Christmas, one of the best, best slashers ever. It's good. I like it, uh, but you know. Okay. We're going to spin off slightly on a tangent. Okay. <laughs> so I had to leave, uh, during the kitchen scene. So I had to leave pretty early on in the film mm. i didn't get to any actual like real any scares or anything i ended up watching it later to get the rest of it i originally went into that movie because like i there were uh, quite a few actors signed on that i wanted to see in it um yeah and i had no intentions of that movie being good <laughs> and that's fine with me 
I like yeah. schlock. So I was like, if it's schlocky, I'm here for it. It was not schlocky, but <laughs> I felt like it was some of the worst arguments that occur in um, discourse. I felt right. like everything felt like a giant straw man argument. <laughs> I didn't like the dialogue. I thought it was right. very bad. I didn't like like some of the rep like some of the uh, representation that the movie contained. I just I couldn't get behind it. I felt like unintentionally the original Black Christmas was a more feminist piece because it was just like hey, I want to get an abortion and I'm going to do that and it's, I don't care what you think or say. And right. that was the end of the conversation. And instead of this ham-fisted, hard-handed like dialogue choice that was going on. Now, don't get me wrong. I do like my uh, leftist uh, quotation marks woke uh, discussions in film uh, Jordan Peele is one of my favorite directors ever. Get Out oh, yeah. is an amazing movie, and I love it to pieces. This was just not worked with uh, with the amount of nuance uh, to a conversation that I would prefer. And that is right. why I did not care for it. Um, yeah, no, I think I, the I, plot on its I think some of the plot points on it that on their own could have stood fine, but I just don't think that it, it just did not work for me. And from what I can tell, it didn't work for a lot of other people. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it, but, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking back at, you know, um, reviews and stuff like that. You know, it's like every pretty much most of the people that I follow on letterbox had, had pretty much the same general view of it. We all gave it about three stars. Um, which is like, you know, it, it's not bad. It's not great. Um, you know, and that that's where I'm coming to it. I, also, I don't want you to think, oh, I love that movie. No, I it was fine. Um, oh, no. you know, all the, I'm all not the black Christmas. tell you you can't. No, no, it. no. No, no, no. I know. Trust me. Trust me. Nobody <laughs> can tell me whether I'm going to like something or not like something. So we all know my we all know my history here on this uh, podcast of things I, I, I've repeatedly said I don't care for the shining <laughs> at the exorcist, all that kind of good stuff that everybody else loves, but I'm just like, eh, no, not my jam. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, that, that's the thing. And I think that's the same thing with this, you know, slumber party massacre too, is that it, it's not a bad movie. It doesn't hold up for me as well, but again, there's things in it that are fun um, um, or interesting um, like I said, the whole dreams, the, the whole, the, the, the kind of dreamy aspect of it, the, the unreliable narrator um, issues with it and, and everything just kind of leave me it, because it's more chaotic than, than not like, you know, it's one thing to have a movie where um, a character's having dream sequences and, and stuff. It, this, both of these movies have um, undertones um of nightmare on elm street 2 kind of of that mm -hmm. um that that's somebody's preying on you in your dreams um or you know or making you see things um that aren't there uh and so it's just you know or just you know the freddy series in general nightmare on elm street series in general um but it's just 
I don't know. They just didn't, you know, stick the landing as well with this one. So, and, and that, I understand and that. That was my biggest issue. And I, and I get that. So uh, as I was saying, like uh, with the with the ending, I have a theory, and okay. now this could just me be me projecting <laughs> onto this film. Could be. Now I agree with you in the fact that I think that it is entirely a dream. None of it happened. Yeah. Um, but I think it's one of two things. It is either Valerie's dream. And it's Valerie's dream because her sister is turning 17. She is becoming independent. Um, She is stuck in a mental hospital. Now, I don't know if anybody in your audience or you, and you don't have to tell me because that's not my business. I'm putting this out there because I'm comfortable saying it. I have been in a mental institution um, in my life. Uh, there's a lot of radio played. Um, usually uh, current hits of the day edited. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear a lot of it. Music gets to be like the one thing that you have to enjoy. Um, especially since like, you know, if you're in a institution like Valerie's supposed to be in where, you know, you're you're basically like a risk to yourself and like, they don't let you have your own things, books, things like that. So you kind of have that moment. So like, she's listening to this, she's experiencing like this music. She's thinking about how her sister is turning the same age. She turned when she was, when she was attacked and survived and it's all getting mixed up in her extremely traumatized head. And it's manifesting as these dreams that she doesn't quite know how to control. And that is what we are seeing. Right. That is one theory. Second theory is that it is actually um, Courtney's dreams because she is 17. Her sister had this horrific experience that she was nearby to. She survived. Now, I don't know if she was 13, 12, 13 in the original movie, um, but I know that they said that she was 12, 13 in in Slumber Party Massacre 2. They said that when the events of the first movie happened, she was 12, 13. Now, when you see her character played by a completely different actress because recasting uh, the previous actors with crystal bernard was probably one of the best uh options that they had because crystal bernard does look very young she yeah. she has that like she has the right energy for everything i really loved her in the role um she was just starting to discover like her attraction like it's one of the main things that you see is that she's sneaking playgirls in right. her room And it's just like, so now she's coming to being 17. She's coming. She has an actual guy that she likes that she wants to have sex with. Um, She's like, you know, she's into music. Music is like kind of her life now. But she's getting closer to that same age that her sister was at. She's got her mother helicopter parenting her constantly. So she is not able to disengaged from this horrific event that happened to Valerie years ago. 
and not only it's like not only has it affected how she has she is growing up it's affecting how she views her love life how she reviews her friendships and i think that might be why she's having the dream in the first place is because her life is so inundated with what happened to her sister that she's dreaming of it as an inevitability for herself as well mm. and that is why that's happening like i said like i said it could be of those two things and like i said this could just be me talking shit but that is what <laughs> i think when i see it now I could right. be wrong. Somebody could tell me that I'm wrong. And like somebody could just flat out tell who was involved in the movie, say, you're an idiot. Why did you say that? And I'll be like, my bad. <laughs> but that is how I see it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, I, I think I, you know, I'm, I'm good with either one of those um, theories. Um, yeah. I, I, I didn't have a strong theory based on it. Just, you know, based on this first one um, it's, like I said, it, it was either based on um, Courtney or Valerie. Either one worked for me as well. Um, but it was just like there was no firm um, resolution on who or what was happening. Um, so you're just kind of left up to your own, you know, you your own choice on what you want it to how how you want it to end. Um, but I do that believe so that. Yeah, I, I just believe that it's um uh that it is in somebody's head. You know, it's 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 a dream or you know, a, a vision of themselves. Because you in the beginning you get these flashes or throughout for a long time you get these visions of her seeing things that are gonna happen. And so it's it's um so that aspect of it kind of changes things in a way not changes things but leads you to suspect either one she's seeing the future or two um that everything she's seen throughout all of this is suspect anyway so um mm -hmm. so that's what that's where i come into it at the end um yeah well it also yeah. doesn't help that before all of that the last mm, 10 minutes of the movie kind of fizzles like you've got so much like going on it's very bombastic it's very much a romp and then it kind of fizzles out also yeah. uh Atonis Illich I would bet actual money spent a single day on set with everyone else and all of his other <laughs> scenes were shot by himself because he is not ever actually in the same scene yeah yeah most of Except the time for, like, yeah two of them. yeah yeah, exactly. Like maybe when he's in the backseat of the car and such. Yeah. Backseat of the car when he's there in the unfinished house and when he um uh kills Sheila is when I would say is the only time yeah. he was on set. And I would say that those were all filmed in one day. Like I I, I don't all every single scene, it's just like the character's face other characters face switch back and forth switch back and forth they are not in the same room together <laughs> yeah right but yeah like, he is honestly he like it's it, it's funny for a character who is who speaks only in song lyrics <laughs> yeah and, and it has completely commanded control of the film like apparently during casting he was the first one that they uh they looked at 
and they decided like then and there we have to like we have to like try out other people but this is our guy and i can understand that because like yes he does magnificently he kind of steals the show from everybody quite literally in one point has an entire (laughs) musical section all to himself right and yeah it's just it's funny one thing that i appreciate about the film is the supportive nature of crystal's uh crystal courtney's friends like her friends all are all extremely supportive there's not a lot of gaslighting in the movie right it's just like oh you're crazy why are you saying that like usually it's just like you're probably having a hangover i'm really worried about you like i'm not seeing what you're seeing but i do think that something's happening to you and i'm worried about you so like if you could just she's it's just like how about you relax, take a hot bath, do this, do that. Never like this bitch is crazy. Get out of my house. (laughs) Not from her friends. Yeah. From the guys. Yeah. She's getting that, but you know, but her friends are definitely supporting her. DJ is the (laughs) worst character in the entire film. And I think it's funny because he's in pumpkin head, which that's it. Pumpkin head is the movie that came out a year later. It came out in 88. And, he's in Pumpkinhead and he plays the best character in Pumpkinhead because he is the nicest person in Pumpkinhead <laughs> of the teenagers. That's funny. Yeah, it's the, it's so funny too because both these movies are in 1987 and having seen um, several other 1987 movies, um, 87 was like the year for like the most 80s look of anything um you've got all the 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 you know the the puffy clothes and the um more neon colors um all all the stuff that we kind of associate with the 80s um you in terms of kind of that aesthetic that kind of um neon uh color palette and and everything that that all that kind of stuff came in the latter part of the 80s and really kind of feels like it solidifies in 87 um with the movies like these two the lost boys um some other stuff that i can't think of offhand Uh, but it just feels like you know 87 was just that year that we transitioned into that you know day glow nightmare version of the 80s that we have now so yes uh yes my preferred style feral keeper (laughs) keeper sutherland (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um yeah hey i i was after lost boys i was wearing my trench coat in in you know, like hot hot weather i was still wearing my black trench coat because that movie was just like everything um but i yeah this... i dressed more like i dressed more like alex winter's character to be honest um <laughs> if, if if we're good if we're gonna be like true to form uh for a while it was more like alex winter's character because and and alex this is the highest compliment i can give you looked the gayest of them all (laughs) that's funny that's saying a lot because uh some of those some of those guys with their long hair man they uh you know for the 80s the time period sparkled nobody sparkled in terms of clothing quite like he did see see twilight Twilight's got nothing on sparkly vampires, you know. We had the, we yeah. had some sparkly ass vampires in in, in uh 
uh, in in the Lost Boys, specifically because they they're the blood that comes out of them is it was actually like um this is wildly off topic but um uh it was they put glitter into it so that when their when their blood came out of them it was sparkly so mm-hmm. to make it different than uh regular blood so yes. it's just funny uh, <laughs> yeah that's so, why when i was doing when i did my david stuff like some of my photos like i have um i got that sparkly like wine <laughs> and i mixed it's because I like had to drink it, so like for yeah. some of my photos, so I had to get like the sparkly wine to like actually have the photos like mix do a very weird food coloring mixture to make it look <laughs> proper. Right. Oh god, that costume took so much work. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, that's like I I I what I enjoy in the film also is like the camaraderie in it. Like the girls are all very clearly like they're close friends. Um, right well and they have their own band Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's very funny uh the band who did the actual music for them like could not stop cringing every time they fake performed because they they fake play the music the musical instruments so wrong (laughs) oh Um, that's too funny yeah i think but yeah go ahead sorry no, no, it's okay. Uh, I, I like how, like, I like that camaraderie because it's really a thing these days in horror movies where it's just like friend groups are awful to each other. <laughs> like we have, we have like groups of friends who it's just like I don't know why you're friends. Like, yeah, even in movies where there's like a relative like closeness between friends, um, like in Talk to Me. I'm still sitting there sitting like, why are you, why do you even put up with this person? This person is so unhealthy for you and they're making your life hell. Like you're, you're in a bad situation and this person is not making it better. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that of midsummer, it's like none of these people, your friends, you're not safe. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, I agree with you. I think that's a, it's, it's interesting to, see a group of friends and 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 i would argue even in the original um uh slumber party massacre the group of friends is pretty solidly um together um they may disagree um like because they want to the the main girl wants to invite uh valerie the new girl to um the uh the slumber party and the other one's kind of bitchy towards her but not really bitchy towards their friend group at all um their friend group was mm. pretty solid so it's nice to see them kind of carry over this this kind of friend group aspect into it because like you said even in the 80s you get a lot of friend groups who you know where you're just like how are you all friends like there's always <laughs> some kind of antagonism inside of a friend group and to be fair that's kind of real life in a lot of ways though too there's always like not always i mean some friend groups are solid and you know everything else but there's some friend groups who there's always a few people who are just kind of like just i don't know more antagonistic and just kind of pushing everybody's buttons and you the rest of you are all like why are we friends with this person <laughs> so you know but, but yeah like, no it, I, I in this friend the in this dynamic like they're, 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 it, there's none of that like they're all pretty in harmony no. like it, it all works out for them um i i like that i like that portion of it um 
I found like all the all the characters, well, all the girl characters who were actually fleshed out characters and not caricatures, because TJ is um, right. Uh, uh, and Matt has no personality whatsoever. <laughs> His personality right. is car and football <laughs> and. 16 candles reference. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's what makes this uh, th- this series so far. I've only seen the first two of the Slumber Party movies. I haven't seen the third one. But that's what it, it does make it interesting. I do think that they are held up as these, you know, more more feminist, not necessarily true feminists obviously, um but somewhat feminist um I- ideals because the women are more fully fleshed out. They're the main characters. The guys are very thin, very caricaturesque. Um, they're not meant to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And much like in other movies where men are the main characters and the women are, you know, just the set dressing and the background characters and they're in service to the men. In this way, it, it in both of these movies, they were flipped, um, at, at least in the Slumber Party movies, um, in this series so far. That and I think that's that's what's interesting about um, them as well because you do have women writers, women directors on on these, and that um, that while you look at the first one, the first one is the first Lumber Party Massacre was all about um, it, it had all that, but it also had some of that male gaze, um, like the extra nudity in it. Um, that wasn't necessary at all. Um, if Deborah you cut Brock those parts actually out. addressed that. Say what? Deborah Brock actually addressed that. She did that. Like you notice that the nudity uh, in Slumber Party Massacre is all front loaded, right? Like it's all at the yeah. very beginning. She hit those beats for Corman because those are Corman's rules. Yeah, pits ass blood. She hit those beats. So she could make the rest of the movie the way she wanted it. That is st- solely why, like, you will get that very front-loaded uh, nudity scene with her is so that she can get the the actual movie out of the way. Right. So, like, yeah. that's why she's like, I she she said that she got a lot of flack originally like you're a woman how could she do this and she's like i'm a woman who's going to make a horror movie she's like we don't get to do that so you know what i don't regret what i've done she's like so if i had she's like if i had to film some naked girls to get this movie made i filmed some naked girls she's like because nobody else was going to she's like nobody else was going to give me a shot exactly yeah and and then you know i i think that that what's interesting about number two also is that you do have one sequence where one of the one of the girls gets topless um but the rest you know stay stay covered um one of them down to her bra but you know you still don't see anything um but you know the two two of the one of the characters um is a former playboy model and she had by this point in her career she'd already done um a, a couple of movies where she'd gone nude or topless and she was done with it and she was just like yeah, i'm not doing MacArthur. nude scenes anymore yeah and so she was just like i'm not doing nude scenes anymore and you know and so that was great you know she she you know, 
put her foot down. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Crystal Bernard at the time, you know, because this Crystal Bernard was already on a show, um, had already been on some TV show. I think she made this uh, during um, one of her shows that she was doing. Um, so she was already well known enough. Um, and, you know, she would go on to become even more, more famous uh, by being on uh, the TV show Wings. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. It, it's not cool, but it's, it's good to see um, that, that they did that. Like you said, in the first movie, they kind of front load that, that nudity um, and then, you know, get away from it, you know, focus on the story. Um, and it's the same with this one where they kind of, you know, they get that one sequence out of the way and then the rest of it's just about the story. Um, and mm -hmm. so, and that's what was good about um, these movies. Again, you know, they have to do what they have to do to please, you know, Roger Corman who wants these movies to sell, you know, and that's how he, you know, his his way of determining that they're going to sell it. you know you gotta especially for the 80s it was you know boobs and blood um mm -hmm. so it's uh you know it I, I i think it's interesting that they were able to get away from that in the second movie as much as they did um you know like i said only one of them gets topless and you know the, and it's for a very brief scene so yeah uh, um and it's funny because uh, Heidi, the girl who plays Sally, the uh, the yeah. drummer, she has a pair of um, cut off denim shorts. Yeah, I, I read about that. Throughout the, yeah, and you'll notice as like the movie goes on, they get shorter and shorter. And it turns out that every day the costume team was like unraveling her shorts. Yeah. And she found out and she had to go and buy new ones. And it's just like, that's really gross. Why would you do that? Yeah, and it's just like, you know, and Heidi went on to be in a uh, Friday the Thirteenth movie. Yep. yep, which one I cannot remember because, like, she after was in number just seven. Like, I'm watching... yeah. yeah, yeah, she was in New Blood. Yeah, New Blood. Yeah, and then um, one of the other ones, um, I think the uh, the the lead, um, not not Crystal Bernard, uh, the I think the lead singer person. Um, uh, Juliet coming. Yeah, she was in one of them uh, also. Uh, she was Let's in. See, she's in movie. a new beginning. She's in a new beginning. Yeah. So, so you had two two Friday the Thirteenth um, people in there, one before, one after. Um, so it was, it, you know, it's interesting to see people, you know, continue to make horror movies. I'm always up for that whenever you see them continuing on um it's interesting to see like uh you know you were you mentioned um um atanas um uh that uh you know he he's in this movie and everything he's actually you know for for anybody who doesn't know he's actually the heir to the um the little caesar's uh business i mean i don't know if he's really the heir to it his dad created little caesar's so yeah the, the whole pizza franchise um, but he only made a couple of movies. Um, he didn't do a, a whole lot. Um, you know, he made this one. I think this was his most, um, you know, famous role, the the most lasting, uh, in terms of a uh, um, history for him. But yeah, yeah. Um, and hopefully he never sees me in, on the street because I will start chasing after him with a hair with with a jar <laughs> of pomade, and it's like it's time to slick your hair and do a pompadour and ride a motorcycle, dude. <laughs> We're going back. 
Oh man. But yeah, no, um, it's a, it's it's a good movie. It's just there's not a lot to it, honestly. Like I no. said, like I said, there's there, it's it's a real thin movie. It's it's Christopher Bernard's having these dreams uh, of this guy, and then suddenly he becomes real. Um, suddenly he's there. He's actually killing people. When she was seeing it before, it wasn't real, and then suddenly one night while they're there, it is real, and he starts killing people, and starting with her you know, boyfriend, um, <laughs> and then you know, killing everybody else along the way. And it's just, and, but you know, and it's obviously something is going on because it's, it's very surreal and, 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 you know, he's obviously supernatural because he's in one location and then suddenly he's in another location. Suddenly he's on the roof. Um, <laughs> you playing know, the guitar. Yeah. Playing his you know, guitar drill. Um, and it's just uh, it, of which apparently Atanas Illich was very enthusiastic and broke one of them. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I, um, I probably would have also broken right? one of them in my enthusiasm. I can't lie about that. No, I mean, you know, stylistically, you know, I think he's one of the more interesting, you know, slashers. You know, it's you know, he's he's got that, you know, like you said, the 50s greaser look uh, going on. And, you know, he's got this wild 80s guitar with a drill bit on, on the end of it. And yep. uh, it's just and he speaks it, entirely in song lyrics. Right. It's just it's just very silly. Um, it, but you it know, is. it's that's just where I like for me, that's why I'm not. I didn't love the movie. Um, it's OK. Um, it's just an OK movie for me. It's probably not one I'm going to revisit. Um, all that often, um, but uh, I'm I'm glad I got to you know at least watch it once and and got to talk about it and talk about how silly it is. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I understand that this is like this is a movie that I love because it's just a romp, right? It, 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 and I enjoy it. Uh, I don't need my movies to have a lot of. <laughs> a lot of substance it turns out <laughs> right. i just need it to be fun <laughs> yeah and i know and, and, it, and it is fun well and this is the the this is one of the things that's interesting for me too is that i i came at it it's you know been what 37 years since this movie came out um mm -hmm. and i've never seen it until now um you know i'd seen the 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 cover art and everything but it's it's one of those movies where like I see I've seen scenes for it here and there, but all you ever really see are the scenes of him dancing around and, and doing stuff. And that's only in the last maybe 20, 30 minutes at most. Um, mm -hmm. There's it takes a long time. And don't get me wrong. It's not a long time because the movie's only an hour and 16 minutes. Um, and so but it but it feels longer because of that it just feels like it takes so long to get to that those moments and i i always just assumed that like he it was this campy kind of weird mix between like almost like a rocky horror picture show and a slasher um and that's how oh, yes. like Please i put always that assumed. out into the ether bring <laughs> that unto me but that's what I that's what I was assuming this was um, from everything that I'd seen about it. And so when I didn't get that, I was like, OK, well, that's it's mildly disappointing. You know, it, it's like there's there's 
some more there that I wish they had expanded into the whole movie rather than into what it was. Um, oh, I so can understand that, that. Yeah. So, I mean, it you know, like I said, a... sorry, go ahead. Uh, it, it, I think uh, for me, my first experience with Slumber Party Massacre 2 was not actually seeing the film. It was actually seeing the cinema snob review it. <laughs> so, okay. like, there are jokes that he made that stay in my head forever. <laughs> like, when the girls are, like, having their pillow fight and drinking and dousing each other with champagne. And the boys are watching through the window. And the one who matters less than all the other boys put together says i didn't know girls do that and it's i i always say well they do this is a documentary <laughs> um but again but I, again feels like it should be there There feels like there should be almost a rocky horror-esqueness to this in a lot of ways um that just isn't there and maybe that's that's what's kind of missing is just that that maybe there's a fandom there that should be like, I don't know, be be skewering it lovingly. Um, All right. Well, I will get started on that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, that is my goal into the new year. Uh, so, but uh, my favorite scene, other than, of course, the dance scene, is when they think that, well, when Courtney thinks that Sally is dead and they have called the cops. <laughs> right. And yeah. she walks in and TJ utters the best line in the entire film. Go away. You're supposed to be dead. And it's just like, why did the worst character get the best line? <laughs> right. And the and it doesn't help that he has the best delivery because he is doing this awful surfer bro like accent the entire time. Which is sure. not how that actor that is not how Joel um I can't remember his last name, his first name is Joel. Um that's not how he talks. <laughs> yeah, no, that was but a good he, that, he that really was great leaned, line delivery. Yeah. He really leaned into like what he was supposed to be in the film, and I appreciate that. Uh, and the and these cops were terrible too, because then they call later on when things are actually happening, and the cops are like yeah, we don't believe you. Don't call back. And so it's don't just like, call back. yeah. And that's again, like that there's so much that lends itself to this, like, obviously this unreality to it all, um, mm -hmm. you know, and throughout the whole proceedings and, and, you know, and that's what you're, I'm assuming you're supposed to take from it is that it's a dream sequence of some sort. Like the whole, the whole movie is just some kind of wild dream. Um, and none of it's really happened. Um, so, or, yeah. you know, a, another theory could be that it all did happen, but again, unreliable narrator, this is her version of how it happened in her, you know, fractured mind. Um, so, you know, and, and yeah, you know, it, so, but you know, it's, 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 it's interesting. Um, but um, I it it did let me down a little bit. Um, but again, it's it's not a bad movie. It's just I, I think next time I watch it, you know, I'll know going in uh, what it is, and I'll I'll probably be able to appreciate it a little bit more for what it is. So, 
Yeah. Well, like I said, it's it's definitely one of my favorites. Um, it's one of uh, I I don't think my husband loves it as much as I do. Uh, <laughs> but but he watches it anyway. He's uh his Roger Corman movie of choice is Chopping Mall. Oh yeah, yeah. I need to rewatch that and, one. Um, yeah, especially now that like a uh, remake is in talks. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, James Wan right. wants to do it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's I talk about that. Uh... I'm willing to give him a chance. <laughs> yes, but let's talk about let's let's talk, let's talk about, about Hello uh, Mary Lou, which I think um, is the crown jewel of the episode. <laughs> I I I will agree. Out of these two movies, Hello Mary Lou is the better movie. I think it's interesting too because the it, this was originally meant to be a completely separate movie. It was not part. It was not meant to be part of some prom night franchise. They talked. They tacked on the prom night name onto it uh because they were hoping that it would help it sell better um because the version was called the over yeah and so (laughs) it's just like well you know yeah so it was just like well you probably should have just kept it the way it was um but yeah this this one again this one's got that kind of um unreality to it but this one this one heavy references things like carrie um Mm -hmm. uh uh the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I'm blanking on some other things, but those seem like the two biggest influences to it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, we start off, you know, with, you know, in 1957 with uh, Mary Lou, this, um, this wild girl, uh, shall we say, um, who's just, you know, enjoying, you know, for 57, you know, she is enjoying her sexuality. Um, but at the same time, she's leaving, you know, her boyfriend and stuff in her wake. Um, you know, she's been stringing along this boyfriend because he's rich um, and, or his parents are rich. Um, and, you know, meanwhile, she's shacking up with another guy. And so it pisses off the boyfriend who um, looks like he's got to be 30 uh, with yes, thinning yes. hair already. Um at the prom and uh, <laughs> just the eighties were terrible for like trying to get like, not always like sometimes people looked young enough, but m- more often than not, it was people in their mid to late twenties who were passing off as, uh, uh, as teenagers and, uh, not <laughs> successfully. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure, th- I'm sure the, I'm sure the guy who was playing, uh, her boyfriend, uh, Bill, um, was, um, was probably young enough. He was probably in his twenties, but just he, he, his hair definitely looked like it was thinning. And um, yeah, it, and it's one of those things where, it's, it's like like where you just enough. have to, you got to find somebody who looks like a young Michael Ironsides and you don't <laughs> right. really have a big pool for that. Yeah. Boy, so, that's too funny. Uh, but see, I love Mary Lou as a character. She is not great. She is actually no. pretty awful. Yeah, she's and a terrible I love her person. Because she is like every reality show quotation marks villain right. in existence. She is the woman who shows up to the reunion, leaves with both your man and your dad while wearing while <laughs> being crowned hottest bitch. She is <laughs> the best. I love her. Everything she does is terrible, 
she she has no redeemable features whatsoever and they're not (laughs) because of the fact that she is free with her sexuality it's because she's terrible and she is no she is a terrible person. person yeah yeah no her her sexuality is not what makes her terrible at all i you know it's just literally everything else she does which is you know terrible to everybody um including coming back to life and and inhabiting the body of this poor girl Um, yeah like and that's the whole thing like you know vicky is like vicky is like a prime candidate for this possession because she is in this um she's in this like state where like she's wanting she she has a boyfriend she's graduating it's her senior prom and she has heavy carry mom vibes oh yeah absolutely <laughs> and it's just like and she's wanting like she's in this crux of her life and mary lou just kind of like slit, slots herself into that niche of her wanting to break free and takes over and that's right. like the part that like and she does but like the thing i love the most about the movie is like some of the visuals like i love the visuals in this movie like they're very silent hill-esque and silent hill <laughs> doesn't come out for a few more years jacob yeah, the movie is, doesn't come out for a few more years <laughs> the movie is very hazy <laughs> very hazy uh, but my favorite scene is the chalkboard scene where she gets sucked into the oh, yeah. chalkboard because it's just a pool that they filmed sideways yep and yeah. like made the water murky enough to make it look like it was the same color as the chalkboard and then it goes back to being the chalkboard and they even include made the letters like still messed yeah, up from over. yeah yeah i love yeah. it i love it i love it like I love the yeah. way it looks. Like everything about it is very ephemeral and like hazy. And it, it, I don't know if that's also a leftover because even with the better options, it still is kind of a, you can still tell it's like a not the best quality of film. Right. No matter how much like they, they've recovered, but you still get like a lot of lines, a bit of blurriness. Um, but, uh. I one of also one of my favorite things is her uh, both the actor who plays Vicky um I know her name and it's escaping me but I will remember it uh, yeah I had just looked it up earlier um yeah me too uh oh Wendy Lyons Wendy Lyon yeah yeah so Wendy Lyons and <laughs> Wally Lyons and Terry Hawks are huge parts of my childhood because Terry Hawks is Sailor Moon. Oh yeah, and uh, Wendy Lyons is Queen Serenity. Her right. mom. Yeah, I saw that <laughs> on there. Yeah, I knew that That's... from uh, because I know who Terry Hawks is <laughs> because I love Sailor <laughs> Moon. Sailor Moon also very definitive of who I am as a person because I watched <laughs> that for a very long time. That's funny. Um, um yeah, I I I think it's interesting too because um Wendy Lyon does a really good job in the role of Vicky. You get this character who is this um like you said, she's got this really re- repressive mom um who everything re- revolves around um religion and Jesus and um 
and so she's she's kind of buckling against that she's you know obviously she's trying to be the good kid um for her mom but you know she's in love with her boyfriend and wants to do things for, uh, you know for herself um and so like you said it's it's this m- easy in for uh Mary Lou um for the corruption um and you see Wendy Lyon go from this kind of meek not completely meek but somewhat meek person into like this predator and mm-hmm. um it's it's a great performance um I'll, I'll i'll give give it that for sure she does a great job at immediately changing from this 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 meek and mild kind of girl into this this girl who's going after everybody uh even her even her best friend um yeah. and it's just it's just crazy um and and you know and, and you know obviously she's not person going after her best friend it's mary lou uh because mary lou is threatened by everybody so yeah she's just out for her revenge and anybody who gets in her way is going down so exactly it's just like and also that locker room scene like i was very surprised that apparently like when uh wendy lyons was supposed to like uh do that scene in a towel and she chose to like she's like no we'll do it nude it's fine Oh, interesting yeah no and i think that's what's uh, i think that's interesting too um and I, I brought it up before on the podcast with the um the my bloody valentine uh remake um there's that sequence in that movie where um there's a long sequence where uh one of the uh, uh women characters in that is um trying to get away from the killer and she's running around full nude throughout the scene um when the filmmakers originally had it planned for her to be covered up but um, so it kept but it thing like the sheet kept snagging or uh, other things kept happening. And she was just like, it doesn't matter. We'll just do it you know, nude. It's fine. I'm OK with that. And so, you know, it's always interesting to hear that kind of, you know, it, it's not the filmmakers who are suggesting it. It's the women themselves who are suggesting it and they're comfortable with who they are and and, and comfortable with filming that, um, which is, you know, great for that and same would be i would say the same about any guy who would be willing to do that um that the case in point like you mentioned midsummer earlier um uh the character um the actor in that who played christian um there's a sequence where he's running out of the 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 uh the hut late in the movie um and he runs out fully nude he wasn't supposed to originally he was supposed to you know quickly try to put on his pants or whatever and then run out um but he was oh, just like no in the yeah, yeah. So he was just like, no, in this situation, I would probably just run out nude, you know, and they were just like, OK, let's do that. So, you know, it's always great when you hear that kind of stuff, Um, just that somebody's taking that kind of stuff, like that kind of thought process of the character or whatever, and just going, OK, let's just do that. It makes sense for me to do this in that way or whatever, you know, for if, you know, if that's the way they want to do it. So yeah, it's nice to hear that when you've got so many situations like, you know, like with, uh, for example, the sleepaway camp where we yeah. will never know who, who performed that last scene because they took advantage of him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, we'll and, know. you know, and so many we'll women throughout. Yeah. And then so many women throughout 
you know, horror and regular filmmaking and everything else who've done nude scenes who were uncomfortable doing it um, and didn't want to do them. Um, and, and you ended up just doing it because they were like, yeah, fine, whatever, you know? And so it, it's great to see when somebody is comfortable in doing it and they were the ones who came up with it. And the filmmakers were just like originally like, no, we don't need to do it. But so I do, I do appreciate that when the person can have their own agency uh, in, in mm -hmm. that circumstance. Um, and that's great. So. Yeah, it, it's definitely something that unfortunately didn't happen often. <laughs> right. Especially in the 80s. And you gotta, yeah. yeah. And you got to appreciate it when you see it. Um, I it also like. Uh, I like I, I, I have to put it out there. Mary Lou, like the, the actress who plays Mary Lou, uh, Lisa I can't pronounce her last name, Shraj or something like that. Um, a dime. That <laughs> woman is gorgeous. Yeah. She is just so pretty. And it's just like, who are you? Why are you so unbelievably gorgeous? I don't even know if she did much um, other than that. From what I can see, yeah, it looks like she did some things like, but not a lot, but she was great. I think that like, I enjoyed the scenes where it was just Mary Lou being Mary Lou. Right. Even if they do give her the terrible ghost voice filter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but I, I, I appreciated like, I love practical effects and other yeah. than like you know the horrible lightning uh for the for the one guy who gets shocked to death everything right. is practical yeah it, like that was actually one of the things because like that terrible lightning was covering up some actually really good burn makeup yeah on him and it's just like that like you should have just gone with sparks and he like kept the, let us see the makeup this would have been more preferable and also i would like to point it out um the best friend i think uh monica monica i think is what her name is and the um the the guy who does the computers like their little romance yeah is so cute like it's really cute and it's going on and the moment that monica dies that he doesn't even know about. Yeah. Like, no, she just vanishes and he's, he's just like, yeah, I don't know what happened. Terrible. She's not here anymore. Yeah. yeah. And he becomes terrible. And I'm like, oh, you ruined the cute. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like that because like, I was like, oh, so wholesome. I love. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I thought that their little dynamic was like this cute little side thing going on that I just, I just appreciated it. Because like yeah. it's just like it's that cute little um oh we're friends um, we're kind of like each other and, and we rip each yeah. other about it because you know we, you, you like me but we're not serious and it's just like it was really cute and I thought that that was a nice touch to the film and I kind of hate the character assassination that they have done to seriously him. <laughs> yeah seriously it's like as soon as she's gone he's like okay well now I'm gonna you know get the popular girl to you know 
perform a sex act on me so that I can put her name in the computer to win prom queen. It's like, dude, like, like taking everything that we were talking about earlier with you know, the, the people having agency and everything like that. And then doing something like this was just like, that part was gross. Um, yeah. 100%, especially like you said, taking this, this, this character, these, these two characters that like the, the, you know, I would think in a more modern movie, we would have had this whole other storyline with him trying to figure out what happened to her, what what happened to, you know, the girl that he was having the, you know, romance with. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, you would in, in, in a, in a modern movie, you would have had that kind of like, you know, he would have been trying to figure out what, what happened to her, blah, blah, blah. You know, he would have been inconsolable and, and everything. And we don't, we didn't get that. This is just like, bleh. um, I also you know, think that there forgotten. were a lot of ideas in this movie that never got to go anywhere. Like this movie had a lot of ideas that just kind of didn't go anywhere. Like what was the point of Jeff's being pregnant? There wasn't one. Yeah. 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 Like, was it to make you feel bad when she died? It doesn't. I, yeah. Now, and that's what's weird too. Like you said, there's all these weird little storylines that kind of start and then get dropped for whatever, you know, and then just, and, and to be fair, I mean, it's kind of life, but you know, it's, it is weird to like, why even mention the baby thing? Why even have that as a subplot? Why have the romance uh, between those friends as a subplot, you know, when you're just going to throw it away and you're going to turn everything else uh, against it and so yeah it's just it's almost like they wanted to do some extra stuff in here but then didn't have the time budget. to you know <laughs> the time or the budget to like focus on that stuff you know that they they realized halfway through they're like we really got to beef up mary lou because i mean mary lou as a presence is just kind of there for like a good half the movie things are just weird but she hasn't like asserted herself yet um and so, you know, it's just, it's just weird. <laughs> it is I weird. agree with you. It they also, just left it things on the floor. It's also one of the things where it was just like, also, I don't think that they knew quite how they wanted to represent her, like, dying, so to speak. Like, her, like, going back to hell or whatever. Um, yeah. Because, like, her gravestone blows up, but Vicky's in the case. In the box. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, okay, where was this ghost? Because she was not in her grave. It also is like one of those things where like, it's just like Vicky starts getting possessed, but with no clear sign of when she started getting possessed. Like, was it when she went down to the um, basement and got the costumes? Was that it? Because it seems like the haunting literally starts the moment that Jess messes with the the prom tiara, the prom queen tiara. Yeah, yeah. But, it, it, it so, there's definitely there's definitely some not like cohesive. There's there's a lack of cohesion in terms of what what all is happening with. Um, Mary Lou, like where she's coming from, what's the trigger? Um, like how long has she been possessing Vicky? You know, there's so many 
inconsistencies um, in the movie uh, that make you just go, okay, where? But again, like you said, the style of the movie, the characters, um, they kind of help propel it. You know, you, you kind of gloss over that. You're just kind of going, okay, well, whatever, you know, <laughs> just let us, let us get to the craziness, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and exactly. So, and you know, crazy, so it does get. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You um, know, we, we, we definitely have the kind of the end sequence kind of uh, Carrie-esque, you know, um, thing. And it's so bizarre, too, because it's like, what is so Mary Lou possesses Vicky and then like Vicky gets shot at the end. Um, Mary Lou crawls out of her body. Um, mm-hmm. but then Vicky's totally fine at the end. Like, yeah, it's like it's so bizarre as to like what is really going on. So, yeah, you were talking like it's just like it's just like Vicky's okay, it doesn't make sense that she's okay, but yeah, she right. is. Um, and then you know Michael Ironside because it doesn't matter what his character's name is he's Michael Ironside um, yeah <laughs> is, is uh, he's possessed at the end right and then when you get to the sequel none of this matters yeah yeah I haven't seen the sequel so don't it, it, okay do because it's it's bad but it's 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 so bad I heard that, like, I read that it's more of a spoof of this movie. Like, it's not even horror. It's just a straight up spoof of this movie. And so I'm just like, how, why would you even make that movie? (laughs) It's so, it's it's, so bizarre. It's very ridiculous and not particularly fun, um, in my opinion. Like, uh, (laughs) Mary Lou's not particularly like as, like, she's like a caricature of herself and so therefore like she takes they take a lot of the malevolence out of her and i don't like that um like kind of like she finds like what she's doing is like a joke whereas mary lou's like actually trying to hurt people in this like she she's getting revenge um like actually like they they set it up in the beginning like she's going for revenge like she kills a janitor that like apparently was somebody from her old school and it's like but he's not even related to what happened here there's like one guy who's responsible for why you died yeah and it's interesting though like i would say with with this movie with the michael ironside you know obviously he was like the big actor in this movie um but he's got so little to do he's like you know you know you when you get michael ironside for a movie you should get michael ironside for a movie you know if you're gonna just have him be kind of like sleepwalking through it the whole time um it just i don't know it just felt like such an underutilization of his uh, of his of him you know um and just kind of a disservice to the character and to the movie in a lot of ways um so just it just felt weird it felt very mm-hmm. underplayed and it's like, why would you get Michael Ironside of all people to play that? So. Also, I will say like, um, Craig, the boyfriend, the most supportive boyfriend. Um, <laughs> he asks zero question. Like his girlfriend changes her entire look and how she talks and everything. And he's like, she's just trying something new. She's yeah. doing something different. 
it's fine. She's fine. It's just like, I like it. I like that she's being different. It's just like, what? Don't, don't you feel like there's some red flags here right. that you should be concerned about? Well, because her, her best friend, like, is just, like, immediately, like, questioning it. And she's just like, uh, what is going on? You know, and so it's just, yeah, definitely, definitely, like, I get that, you know, he's very supportive and everything, but he's very dismissive of it all as well. And so, yeah, it just kind of goes along with it. So, and it's just like, and it's just like, I, I, I just can't go over, like, yeah, your girlfriend's walking around in poodle skirts and wearing makeup, and she's literally never done that. And you've known her for years. <laughs> right. maybe ask like some follow-up questions i don't know <laughs> right like yeah just, uh, are i also i love how the one guy keeps saying he's like she's possessed and it's just like she is possessed <laughs> she is yeah no no he's right and that me that also goes nowhere <laughs> right yeah yeah there's so many there's so many things like that are just bizarre go nowhere aspects of this movie and it's just like why why like why was this not um done just slightly better and but again it still worked overall um you know it just there's it just kind of coasts on its um uh style and 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 the performances you know by Mm. you know vicky and um uh, mary lou really more than anything Mm -hmm. else both of their performances are just strong enough to kind of keep you going through it just kind of going okay well let's see what true. happens next <laughs> i do think it's very funny when her mom stands in front of the door and she just throws her through it i don't understand yeah. why she threw jess through a window it's like this feels like overkill but okay <laughs> right. um but there's also like there's just some stuff like it's just where it's just like when Vicky starts getting possessed and she's like seeing the school differently and then she sees that one like guy in sunglasses and he's like I love you Mary Lou and then he just like grabs her and it's just like what the fuck was that about yeah (laughs) that that guy doesn't who was that (laughs) that that guy's not in the movie ever again um but like there is one thing that people have brought up and it's actually like it is one of the things that the movie does explain because when she kills uh the priest she's like she's like there's no god no light and you want to know the worst thing no fucking wings and yeah. people are like why did she bring that up like that and it's just like she was in purgatory yeah yeah like it, it, they say right off the bat vengeful souls go to purgatory of course there would be no heaven no wings you're yeah. in purgatory yeah so exactly. it's like the one thing the movie explains yeah yeah <laughs> some throwaway line she does for 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 priest murder um yeah. the one scene the one scene that i will say is questionable above all else is the one with the dad yeah 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 especially since he the dad is into it yeah yeah he doesn't stop it at all it is not until the mom comes in and goes like what is going on he's like oh uh (laughs) so yeah well it's like it's like okay ma'am you need to leave not concerned about your daughter just let her leave the house send him to jail (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) there's something ain't right about that man 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I do. I do want to bring up outside of that, just because it's part of that sequence too. Is just she's on that horse, that rocking horse that's in her room. Uh, talk going back to talk about the practical practical effects. That was one of the better practical effects I thought too. Was how they made that horse, the rocking horse, look alive. Um, where oh, like yeah, its mouth horse. moved and yeah. Um, it just those little bits of movement it did just was creepy as all hell. So yes, yeah. Also, like I felt like they wanted to like work in an aspect of the fact that like um, uh, Vicky was an artist, and like they wanted to like progressively like as she was drawing herself, start drawing herself as Mary Lou, and like yeah. they kind of just fed right through that and did nothing with it. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's so many ideas there that just, like, yeah, they didn't have the time or the budget to, like, do. <laughs> but it's just so funny that this is the sequel to what is a straightforward slasher. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's that's what, the, like, it's always funny when they did that, um, when they tacked on some movie, you know, they added some name to, to it to continue the franchise um, when it has literally nothing to do with what came before. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just the most bizarre thing. Um, like Blair Witch 2, which was not. <laughs> I like Blair Witch 2. That one I, I will, that one have... I will defend. I don't have an opinion on it, honestly. <laughs> um, like I legitimately don't because I don't like Blair Witch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, okay. Like, like I find the original Blair Witch movie, like I understand how terrifying it was when it first came out, but like right. now I, by the time I saw it, I was much older. Yeah, and I was just like, nothing, nothing happening. <laughs> no, nothing's going on. I'm bored, and I want to do something else. <laughs> At least stuff was happening in Book of Shadows. <laughs> Oh, and Michael Weston, funny. whose real name isn't Michael Weston, but I call him Michael Weston because I watched Burn Notice forever, <laughs> right. isn't it? Like uh, I, I don't call him Michael. I, I only know him to call him Michael Weston. I don't know his real name. And it's funny because there is an actor named Michael named Weston, Michael Weston who, was who was on the show. Yep. Who was on Burn Notice. And yep. he's actually in one of my favorite, not very good, but still, uh, but still loved uh, horror movies called Pathology. That's funny. He plays a pretty good psychopath. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. He usually plays people with some kind of mental issue. <laughs> That's funny. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just uh, it, it, I, they're both both movies that we talked about. I love them both. They're just they're they have practical effects, which is a big thing for me because you know we were starting to see. Le like we were starting to move in the later 80s towards the 90s to more and more like computer generated effects than practical and it's yeah. just nice to see it <laughs> yeah definitely no I, I i think you know even with the inconsistencies and the the kind of weird um story bits that are dropped and everything like that i i still think this this is definitely the better of the two movies um, mm -hmm. that we talked about today. Um, 
and um, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, you definitely do not have to watch the first prom night to watch this one. Um, no, it's a completely separate <laughs> story not. that has nothing to do with the original. Um, the original's fine. It's just the original was more of a generic slasher. Um, it's 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 main, you know, claim to fame or anything is that it's got uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in it. Um, yep, that's a hundred percent it. Yeah. Um, and there there's plenty of movies that have that as their claim to flame. Um, yeah. Around that time period, I mean, yeah. Terror Train exists. Yeah, exactly. And I think Terror Train's actually a good movie. It's not bad. Oh, yeah. Um No, no, so, Terror Train's not bad. Yeah. Uh, my only complaint with like Prom Night itself is that it is a very dark movie, and I don't mean that in in like tonally dark. It is because it's a slasher. Yeah. It literally is too dark. Yeah. Like DC movie dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. And I don't know if that's like maybe an age thing, like just like it, restoring it. Just there, it, there's just no way to salvage the lighting that was in that movie. But like, it's just like, I don't know what's happening because I can't see what's happening. Did someone get stabbed? I thought I saw the flash of a knife. <laughs> Yeah, I no. But yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I would say for like both of these movies, you don't have to watch the first one for either of them. Like you no, have you... some additional context for Slumber Party Massacre too, but it doesn't like other than just knowing who Valerie and yeah. Courtney are, it doesn't matter. Right. But I would also argue if you're going to watch, you know, any of the Slumber Party Massacre movies, just watch the first one. <laughs> I think yeah, you'll no, I think you'll one. It's a good I, movie. I think you'll enjoy that one much more in general. Um that the and the second one again, it's not bad. It's just not great. Um I and unless I, I, you're like me and you yeah. like trash. <laughs> exactly. Because like I am on the record as I like trash. So I am here to tell you if you like trash, you're fine. And you can always come to me and ask. What are other trash movies that you like? And I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, do you have anything else uh, about either one of these movies that we didn't say uh, that you'd like to say before we go? No, uh, for the most part, I think it generally nothing, um, you know, horrendous happened on set. Everybody seems to have yeah relatively fine memories of it. Nobody's like, I will eat the director if i ever see them again so you know yeah absolutely so so it seems like everything everything was copacetic though i feel like a lot of people would probably uh eat roger corman just on principle because of who he was as a person right <laughs> yeah um but no uh that was really everything i had to say on it like these two movies are two of my favorites i i i watch them relatively frequently like when i have a bad day i like yeah. to watch i like to watch them because they are schlocky and nonsensical and just just sometimes you just want to watch a movie that you don't have to think too hard about you just right. vibe with and these yeah. are good. I just want to vibe with movies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can. I I can see that. Yeah, definitely. There's always going to be. I mean, there's 
you know, obviously trashy stuff that I like that I can put on and do the same thing with. And, you know, it just, you know, everybody has their own stuff. And then, you know, if, uh, if that's your jam, that's your jam. I'm here to support that. Of course. <laughs> all, all right. We all, because we are a healthy horror, horror fans around here and we respect other people's choices. Exactly. Unless it's, uh, what is it? Uh, Oh, it's Jeepers Creepers. Go away. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Other yeah. than that, perfectly healthy horror supporting. You love what you love. Yeah. Go with God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you let people know where they can find you online? Uh, yes. So you can find me online at Twitter at, uh, at uh, Miss M-Y-S Onika J. Um, I also started crocheting literally all the time. So if you're on Facebook, you can find me at Wicked Stitchcraft. There's a couple companies with that name. Look for the one with a Kraken as the as the profile picture. That would be me. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Well, all right. thanks well, again for glad. coming on. No problem. Thank you for having me again, Robert. This is yeah. always so much fun. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thanks again to Onika for joining me. On Friday, Julia Mercado joins me to talk about The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. And on Monday, Preston Fossil makes a long-awaited return to the show where we will be talking about Psychopath and Angel Angel Down We Go. Thanks for listening. Creepy and Geeky is a part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network. Please check out morbidlybeautiful.com slash podcasts for more great shows. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving the show five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, please share the podcast on social media to help spread the word. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or at creepyandgeeky.com. Music for the podcast is Gratitude, composed by Jerry Smith. You can follow the podcast on social media at creepyandgeeky on both Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to follow me, I'm GeekThulu on Twitter and Blue Sky and Geek.Thulu on Instagram. You can support the podcast by ordering teas and more on TeePublic or by donating to the coffee page. All of the links are in the show notes. Finally, don't forget, stay creepy.